Hey, this is Ed Luther, pastor of City Church in Australia. I hope that today's podcast really inspires you. Thank you so much for listening. You did it before, you're going to do it again. Amen. Let's just say this together. It's going to happen. And it's happening right now. you guys take your seats. Say hi to somebody on the way down. That's awesome. Oh, somebody. <laughs> well, you know, you can get their name and everything. It's uh, it's not always just somebody. Uh, it's good to see all your smiling faces, except I can't actually see them because of uh, the lights and it's dark, but that's okay. You're out there. There you go. I can see you a little bit there. Well, welcome to uh, City Church and City Church Online. If you're watching from somewhere else on the planet, let us know. Let, just send us a, a, a message. Push the like or just send a message. Say, hey, watching from the UK, from America, from Africa, from Asia, wherever you're at, just, just let us know that you're, uh, that you're tuned in this morning. I'm just that excited about this whole series that we've been involved in. It's called Faith Formation. I think... Uh, this is like number 10 or 11 in the series. This is the longest series that I've ever done. Uh, I don't know. Has anybody been part of all 10 of them from the very beginning all the way through? Okay, I see a few hands. Uh, good news is you can jump on YouTube uh, and subscribe to our YouTube channel, and you'll get all the messages there from the very first one uh, that we did. So it's uh, uh, City Church, Sunshine Coast, if you go on YouTube, and uh, you'll, you'll find that there. It's, uh, it's been a journey. We started off... Uh, on my birthday, actually, the 16th of August, and it was a Sunday, just happened to be a Sunday, and um, we started off with a message called Substance Abuse. We talked about how faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, and that so many times uh, people abuse the substance, if you were, of faith, which is none other than Jesus Christ. He is the substance. He's the epicenter. He's the, he's the alpha, omega, beginning, and he's the focal point of our faith. If we're following anything other than him, well... Call it something else, but don't call it Bible faith because he is the, the center of all of that. Then it's been a whole journey as we talked about faith formation, and that's how faith is formed on the inside of us. Faith is not just, well, you have it. Uh, as much of it as you possibly could get, like instantly. Faith is formed. It's a deep-seated trust in God. Without faith, it says it's impossible to please God uh, in uh, Hebrews uh, 11, verse 6, because you first have to believe that he is. <laughs> Hello. So if you go, oh, no, there is no God, well, good luck having faith. It ain't going to be there. Uh, and you have to also, goes on to say this, it says, and that he... Is, is a rewarder or the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You see, faith isn't about seeking things. It's not about seeking an answer to prayer. Uh, it's not about, you know, focusing on money or provision or, or even your health. It's diligently seeking him. And when you, when you seek him, and honestly with all of your heart, then everything in his hands 
it is yours. How could he possibly resist? But if you're seeking what's in his hands, uh, you know, health and prosperity or finances, whatever it is that's in his hands, but you're not seeking him, then uh, your faith is amiss. I mean, most of us don't like it when somebody's just, the only time we get a phone call <laughs> or a visit is when they want something. Hello? Uh, ever been there before? It's like, oh, they never ring me except when they want something. And it just feels like, oh, here we go again. What do you want now? Isn't it nice when somebody just rings you, contacts you, just because they're like you? How are you going? No strings attached. I just rang to say hi. I, I, I invited you over, not because I'm going to pull a whiteboard out and, you know, get something out of you. I invited you over just because I like you and I want to get to know you. And, and, and so faith is many, uh, has, it's multifaceted, and that's why it's taken us this long. Look, we could go on for another, we could do the whole year on faith fo formation, and I'm very tempted, because uh, faith is a very big word, it's a very big Bible word. Uh, this morning, however, we're going to move on into something that I, I believe is going to, I hope, I hope it challenges you. It's challenging me even preaching this message, preparing this message seriously. This is one of the messages where I've spent probably more time than any other message that I've ever preached was this message. And then next Sunday, uh, it may be the number two of this, I don't know, or it may be the finish of Faith Formation. But I have, I have one more message that I really want to preach, and I've called it Faith's Finest Hour. Faith's finest hour. You might be thinking, oh, I wonder what that is. Just go ahead and guess all you want. You won't get it. Okay? It's my message, my title, and I'm going to tell you what Faith's finest hour is probably next week. Have you ever been somewhere where you had to be a member to get in? Uh, you know, rock up to Costco. Try to just go in shopping at Costco. You might squeak past, you know, the people there wanting to see your card. But when it comes time to check out and to pay, they're going to go, can I have your membership card? Thank you. And if you don't have one, you ain't buying it. They'll say, well, you know, for whatever it is, 60 bucks or whatever, we can sign you up right now. But if you say, no, 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 I don't want to be a member. I just want to get the discount here. They're going to say, well, sir or ma'am, you can't do that. You have to be a, a member. I don't know, uh, on the coast here, we've got the RSL, the uh, Returned and Service uh, Services League for returned servicemen. But if you want to go and have a nice meal at the RSL, uh, last time I checked, you got to be a member or somebody that is a member has to invite you and bring you in. It's the same thing with the Surf Life Saving Club. You have to be a member, you have to belong, or you're not going to get in. Uh, I remember one of the most exclusive gyms that I've ever been in was, it's called the Mecca of all gyms, it's actually got the Mecca on the front of it, but it's called Gold's Gym in Venice Beach. And my son Mitch and I went there. We were at Venice Beach uh, for a wedding a couple of years ago, and we went to the Mecca of all gyms. It's where Arnold Schwarzenegger trains almost every day. And uh, we just missed him. He was there. We just missed him that day. My son's been in uh, when Arnold was working out. You don't walk up to talk to Arnold, though. He's got some, some pretty big dudes, you know, watching. Uh, leave him alone. That's just it. Uh, but Gold's Gym is very exclusive. It cost us $40 just to get in once. $40. I mean, yeah, grown all you want. I don't know what the annual membership is, but it would be a lot. 
I think about probably one of the most exclusive uh, clubs or memberships that you could belong to is something called uh, Augusta in Augusta, Georgia. I was talking with somebody uh, before the, the, the service here who knows, uh, who knew one of the uh, very famous uh, golfers, and I said, did you ever go to, to the Masters? And, and my friend who's here right now, who I won't identify, his name's Daryl, uh, <laughs> I said, did you ever go to the Masters? And he goes, yeah, I did. And I'm thinking, oh man, that must have been amazing. Everything's green at the Masters. Uh, a membership, if you can get one, I think they're limited on memberships. The last time I checked, it was $40,000 US just to, as an establishment fee. And then there's ongoing uh, you know, membership cost and annual fee, and I don't know if they have a greens fee or not, or you gotta pay more money, but you know, one of the things they've, they've done is they've, not, they've bumped the price right up, why? Because they just don't want, they just don't want riffraff coming there. So if you're riffraff, you're not, you're not going to the masters. You're not, gonna, you're not gonna be a member of Augusta. Most of you will go, well I, well, I don't wanna be part of something like that. Okay, that's cool, but I would like to be part of it if I golfed. I think that would be really, really cool. And, and uh, so, you know, the masters is incredible. Uh, I counted about four or five different types of people that go to the masters. In fact, you'll find these different groupings, if you will, of people. You'll find them in most clubs or memberships, uh, membership things. You'll also find them in the church as well. And, and, and the first one is the people that work there. You know, they're selling the concessions. They're, they're at, the, um, at the club where they sell, you know, all the equipment, the pro, pro uh, amp club or whatever it's called, the pro shop. Uh, you'll find people that work there. They're taking your ticket. They're escorting you off-site. If you're not member, they're bouncing you out of there. Uh, you'll find people that are working, then you'll find, you'll, you'll find another group of people, and, and, and they're just visitors, you know, for, for the masters, they, they get a ticket, if you're lucky enough to get a ticket, or you bought a ticket to go watch uh, all the players and everything, you, you'll find that there's just those people that are, that are there visiting, may not even like golf, may like golf, I don't know. Then you find the golfers themselves that are, say, part of uh, the masters tournament, if it happens to be on, you'll find that there's that, that whole group of people, I don't know how many golfers start out uh, with the masters, but quite a few. Uh, and then you'll find, of course, the club members, the people that pay all that kind of money. They might be in the clubhouse. They might not even care about the game. I doubt it. But, you know, you'll find that group of people. And then you'll find uh, another group of people. And I believe that this group of people is the most exclusive, and that's the people that actually won the Masters. So this year, there was uh, Dustin Johnson uh, who won it, and, you know, he gets to do something that hardly anybody else gets to do. He gets to put on, this is, this is what you get beside a pile of money. There's like $11.5 million in prize money that gets split up. He gets a, uh, you know, a big share of that money. Uh, but he gets to do something else because he won the Masters and everybody else that's won the Masters gets to do this too. They get to put on a very ugly green jacket. 
they go in, and it's a big ceremony, it's on television, and they have a, an ugly green jacket that's fitted to them that they get to wear, uh, they can't take it home, it actually stays there at the club, in fact, all the previous ones uh, are, are still there of all the winners over the years, since I think about 1930 or so, uh, all those ugly green jackets are there, and if it's your first time or your first year, you can go in, you can uh, try that jacket on, you can visit the jacket if you want to, but it belongs at the club. And I, and I would say, thank goodness, because I wouldn't want to get caught anywhere with that jacket, except if people knew that I just won the Masters, that would be cool. But there is another group of people, and, and, and this group of people you'll find in every organization, in fact, you'll find them in church, and they're called fans, or you could just say the fan club. And, and this group of people, they're part of a crowd, they, they attend, they're probably possibly members as well. Uh, but here's, what, here's a description of what a fan actually is. It's someone who strongly likes, appreciates, supports, or is interested in someone or something. Synonyms for a fan are a supporter, an enthusiast, a partisan, a, a, a booster. I don't know if you've ever heard that term before, the boosters club. Uh, maybe it's American, I don't know, a booster. But one thing is common about most fans is that they're very, very passionate. You know because you're probably a fan uh, of one sport or another or one team or another or what, whatever it is. Fans like to buy lots of merchandise and they attend most of the home games. In fact, uh, another characteristic of fans is they idolize the players but often know little about the club history. Now, you might be thinking of where this message is going this morning, and you will be wrong, just like next, next uh, week's message, if you try to guess faith's finest hour, and you will be all week long. And Don't text me. Don't message me and say, is it? Because I'm not going to answer. I'm just not going to answer that. You just got to come along for that one. But you might be thinking, I know what you're thinking. You might be thinking, this morning's message is, is going to be a big G up. It's going to be, come on! <laughs> And I've heard it before. I've actually preached it before. Come on! <laughs> if you're a fan of Jesus Christ, I want you to stand to your feet. I want you to give the biggest shout. Come on! Band, get up here, you know. All of that. The message this morning is actually called this. Not a fan. If you ever... And I, I wasn't that long ago... Uh, I think we were in Jerusalem in Israel, and uh, and this guy was there, and he was he's kind of like negative about everything. And somebody'd say something about you know a, a particular aspect of uh, of religion, and, and he said this: "Not a fan, not a fan." I've heard people say this about kale. Do you like kale? Not a fan. Not not a fan. Uh, for me, it would be Brussels sprouts. Uh, look, for me to come up with things that I'm not a fan of in the food category, is very, it's been very difficult because almost like, like Roy Rogers said this, he said, I've never met a man that I didn't like. I think, oh, well, that's you, Roy. Uh, I could say I've, I've hardly ever met any food that I don't like. But Brussels sprouts, 
not a fan. I'm not a fan of, of Brussels sprouts. Perhaps there's something in it that you could think of that you're not a fan. Uh, one of the sports that I'll just say, and this might upset some of you diehard Aussies, uh, cricket. Not a fan. I like the different rugbies. I like all the American sports. But cricket, not a fan. Now, I'm going to ask you one question. Don't answer it. Jesus! So just like we said, kale, Brussels sprouts, cricket, and the answer is not a fan, not a fan, not a fan. Well, the title of this message is not a fan. And I'm going to put this out there. Jesus, not a fan. Oh, that just sounds... That just, just sounds so terrible, Pastor Ed. How, how could you say that you're not a fan of Jesus? Well, hang on. The message is still young, so don't worry about it. I want to give you some words of a man that was not a fan of Jesus. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, we'll just go to 3 to 8. We could start at the beginning of it, but uh, you can read it all. And listen to this. This is, this is not a fan. His name's Paul. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. I think that time has arrived. Instead, to suit their own desires, remember I said about getting what's in his hands, wealth and riches in one hand, it says in Proverbs, I think it is, and, and length of days in the other, but, you know, seek him. Uh, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. Oh, isn't that good? Don't we just love to come to church and hear what we want to hear, what our, our ears are burning for? They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. Now, instead of just myths, I could put in there conspiracy theories. They're endless. You're on the internet, you probably have a few. But you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist. People are praying, God, send the people in here, get them saved. No, 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 it's your job to do that. God's not going to do what He told you to do. He says, pray laborers, go into the harvest field. Pray, pray for laborers, in other words, all of us to go in there. Uh, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry, not options, not take it or leave it, not, this isn't the, at the masters there, whether you want to get some uh, uh, ice cream while you're watching, you know, on the third uh, tee, this, this isn't about getting some fairy floss or something like that, for I am ready, verse 6, not a fan, this is not a fan, for I am ready, I am already being poured out like a drink offering. And the time for my departure is near. In other words, he knows he's about to die and go with Jesus. He is not messing around. This is like his final charge to Timothy and to us echoing through the corridors of time. This is like, these are the most uh, uh, vital, important words that Paul is going to give us. His, his last instructions here, I'm already being poured out like a drink offering and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. 
Oh, and I love it, Faith Formation fans. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness. The mastery is another uh, uh, verse says, you know, those who strive for the mastery. God's got his his master's thing going on here. I fought the fight, kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which... And these next two words are pretty important, guys. The Lord. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> not, oh, my buddy. <laughs> you know, he's not even, he's not even saying, uh, Daddy, God, Father. The Lord, the righteous judge, whoo, I don't want to think of that, will award me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. A lot of people don't long for that type of appearing when the Lord, the judge, appears. It's like that and uh, I, I would prefer uh, St. Peter greet me at the pearly gates and, uh, and, and let me in on a joke. You know, knock, knock, who's there? You know, uh, I would prefer, I'd prefer something else than for him to look right through me with those eyes of fire, those piercing ears, and, and basically give an account. Come on. Here's the deal. God has not called you to be a fan. God has not called us to be a fan. God has not called us to be attenders, although we do attend. God has not called us to be his audience. God has not called us to be his cheerleaders. God has not called us to be a Jesus Club member. Jesus is Lord of all in your life, or he's Lord of nothing. Jesus does not need a fan club. Newsflash. Now, Pastor Ed, are you against cheering and shouting and, and getting into th- Not at all. Like, I'm all up for all of that. I'm in for everything, you know, the whole deal. But make no mistake about it, I am not part of Jesus' fan club. I read the definition out, but, you know, I won't go back and, and reread it, but you can uh, just Google what a fan is, and you'll see. Uh, I'm passionate, for, as a fan would be passionate. But I don't just like him. I don't just appreciate him. I'm not barracking only for him. Jesus. We had kale, Brussels sprouts, cricket, kale, not a fan. Brussels sprouts, not a fan. Cricket, not a fan. Jesus, not a fan. Not a fan. I'm I'm not part of a crowd cheering him on. He's already sitting down at the right hand of the Father. Listen to Colossians 3, 4. The gravity of this, I hope, sits in. When Christ, oh gosh, does that come up? Yeah, there you go. Who is your life (laughs) appears. Then you will also will appear with him in glory. See, I was taught never to use absolutes. Never say never. Uh, don't say everything or all. And yet the Bible says this, love the Lord with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your strength, all of your mind. See, fans can take it or leave. Are you going to go to the game today? Well, I am a fan, but I think today's, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm probably going to give that a miss today. Uh, do, you, do you think that, you know, you're going to wear the T-shirt? Oh, yeah, I'm going to wear the T-shirt. I'm going to shout. I'm going to yell. Game, game's over, though. Uh, I'm back to normal life. He's all or he's nothing. Let everything, these are absolutes, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. 
See, Jesus is not just a part-time Lord in our lives. He is the Lord all the time. He is absolute alpha, omega, beginning and the end. He is the Lord God Almighty. You're not called to be part of a Jesus fan club. Not a fan. There's an interesting scripture in Joshua chapter uh, chapter 5, rather, verses 13 to 15. I never really understood this scripture. I was reading it, though, afresh uh, this past month, thinking about it again. I don't know, and something really hit me. And it's a, uh, it's a pre, uh, it's a Christ who appears before he appeared at Bethlehem's manger. He had many appearances. Uh, and listen to this. Most people would attribute this to him appearing to Joshua. Verse 13, now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went up to him and he asked, Are you for us or are you for our enemies? And the answer here I thought was rather peculiar because they're coming up against, you know, all of these Canaanites. They've gone in there. They've they got to take this city. It's a wall fortress and everything. And so they see this, you know, this, this incredible figure with a sword drawn, and they, they just want to know, are you for us or are you for your enemies? Because if you're for our enemies, you know, we're probably going to take you on right now. Uh, we're hoping, though, you know, that you're for us. And he says, neither. Neither, he replied. And then he gives his identity away. But as commander of the army of the Lord. Now that's Jesus Christ. He is the commander of the army of the Lord. I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down on the ground in reverence and he asked him, what message does my Lord have for his servant? He quickly then realizes who this is that he's dealing with and and, and fan clubs and, and fanfare and all the rest of it just goes, you know, he doesn't go, all right, man, dude, I'm such a fan of your, can I have your autograph? Woo! Yeah, I'm a shout for you. You know, uh, the commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals. For the place where you're standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Notice what he didn't do. <laughs> He'd go, what do you take off my sandals? You know, isn't it, aren't my sandals good enough? I've got every right to keep my sandals on if I want to in, in your presence. Who do, you, who do you think that you are to, to, to demand such a stupid thing? He immediately gets prostrate. <laughs> He does exactly. Anything else that you want me to do? Would you like me to take my robe off? Would you like me to... See, fans shout for something. They shout for someone. Or they shout against someone. Or they shout against something. But faith doesn't shout because it is for or against someone or something. Faith shouts because he is. Oh, faith shouts all right, but not like a fan. Oh, I'm for my favorite team. I'm going to shout, come on, the Blues. Come on, Maroons. Come on, the Tigers. Come on, the Lions. Come on, come on, come on. Boo to the whoever's playing against them. Boo. Ah, you 
know? Faith, faith doesn't shout for or, or somebody or something or against somebody or something. Faith shouts because faith believes. In the heart of a believer, there is a shout that comes out, but it's not just a, a for or against people or things. Faith shouts because faith believes. Shout because you're his. You're not called to be a fan. So therefore, Pastor Ed, if we're not called to, to be fans, then what are we called to be? I think that's a really good question. See, it's something more powerful than an attender. <laughs> you know, oh, church. Yeah, I attend occasionally, but you know, you don't, you don't have to. <laughs> okay, yep, <yeah>, okay. <laughs> you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Yeah, okay. Fan, kind of not fan. What are we called to be? A part of a crowd? I don't think so. Every time I read my Bible, Jesus gets a huge crowd, a multitudes in the thousands, a great multitudes over a hundred thousand. That's what the commentators say. And, and right when his disciples say, "Hey, man, like have a look at this. Look at how many." showed up for one of your teaching sessions on the mountain. Like, uh, this is amazing. Like, this crusade could go on for days. The crowd is growing by the minute. Can you see it, Jesus? Yeah, get me in a boat. Get me out of here. What? But the fans, they're mounting up. You can hear the roar. I think it would be a really good time to sing a song like, shout to the Lord. It's going to go off, Jesus. Get me out of here. Not a fan. What are you called to be then? An attender? No. A, a member? Eh, kind of, but not quite. I have this conclusion, and I think it's the holy grail for me anyway as a pastor. I, uh, I've spent 30-something years going for it. Have I achieved it? No. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. Uh, it's so easy to default to fan base. It's just so easy. And most of the KPIs, you know, key performance indicators for ministers are, how many, how many were there? What, what are you running, 200, 300? How big is the crowd? How, you know, <laughs> hello. But the word that's been very elusive that, I, that I'll die trying is family. It's family. You are called to be family. See, God, he's the ultimate family guy. <laughs> family is powerful. Have you ever watched any of those crime documentaries on crime syndicates? They call them the family. You know, you got the whatever family over here, the mafia. You got this family going on. And, and you know, and, and they stick together to blood. You betray the family, you're dead. The rest of them find out you're gone. You don't do that except in the house of God. Mess with the family? <laughs> You've messed with all of them. When I grew up across the street, we had a family called the Gornos. They owned a, a Ford dealership. I kind of lost count. I think they had, and, and uh, I've got some friends watching on, on line right now that were part of my neighborhood. One of them, uh, Len, lived a couple houses down from, uh, from the Gorno clan. 
And um, I think there was something like 10 or something like that, kids in the family. There was a lot, man. They had a whole tribe. We had uh, seven kids, but they were his, mine, and our step uh, brothers, sisters, and halves. And, 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 you know, we had a fairly decent-sized family. But if you are in a functional family, I, I mean a family that's really got it together, you just know you don't mess with one of the brothers or one of the sisters because the whole gang is coming after you. That's family. That's the power of family. You are a member, listen to me, you are a member of the most powerful family in the universe. You are a member of the household of faith, a family that transcends nationality and language, a household of many nationalities and language and cultures. You are a family of all of those who went before you and all of those on the planet right now. I I looked and there's over 2 billion family members uh, of of Jesus Christ on the planet right now. Two point something billion. I've seen an outdoor crowd of uh, a million people that Benny Hinn I think had and and Reinhard Bonnke and and they had a helicopter and as far as the eye could see, you could see people, multitudes of people. That's that's a million is is like the biggest crowd ever, ever assembled as far as anybody knows. But could you picture over two billion people? How big would the field have to be? But you take the people that have gone on before us in our family that are in heaven right now and you've got something, I did a quick calculation, you got something like 30 mil, sorry, 30 billion people. That's a lot of folks. That's family. Those are brothers and sisters. I don't just say the word brother flippantly. Oh, brother, you know, hey, come on, sis, you know. It's a family. How do you live in the family of God? This is where we're going to go. We got precious little time, and I I don't know how I'm going to break the sermon off and then segue into next week. Uh, So I don't like rushing a good meal either, but number one, (laughs) how do you live? In the family of God, number one, look like family. Galatians 6.10, listen to what it says. It says, therefore, as we have opportunity, oh, and there's a lot of opportunities, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household. You can put the word family in there, the household of faith. Let us do good to all. Do you know, I've noticed that so many people, they'll do good to some starving children somewhere, and, they, and you should. They'll do good to somebody out there. When it comes to the household of faith, it's like, let the vile comments flow. <laughs> all, all regard of, this is, the, this is God's, God's the family guy. Like, this is his, these are his kids, man. Come on. Like, seriously, this is what, this is what he calls my bride. This is what he, he, he calls his body. You know, start to put that in perspective. His family, the household of faith, his bride, his, his own body, my goodness sakes. Would you ever walk up to Jesus and insult him? Would you ever walk up to a, a, a groom 
uh, standing with his bride on their wedding day and just walk up and say, hey, hey, groom, by the way, your, your, your bride is ugly. <laughs> and did you know that I knew her? I knew some guys that dated her before. Let me tell you something about her. No, friend, you got to get ready to duck if you're going to do that. But why don't we have that same passion when it comes to the family, the household of God, the family guy? Why don't we have that passion when it comes to each other? You know why? Because we're too busy being fans. I'm a fan. That means there's no responsibility in that. I can actually boo if if I think my team's losing, I'm going to tell everybody. You know why they're losing? Because that coach they put in there. What a dumb call. Or let's blame it on the refs. (laughs) Family doesn't do that. Look like family. Number two, talk like family. Uh, the way, the way most Christians. I, I know I'm s- stepping on some toes. I'm, uh, you know, like I said, if you're up for a challenge, listen to the message. If you're catching this online, just just push stop and go scroll through your feed or whatever. And look for something else. This is, you know, seriously, like, uh, you know, not a fan, not a fan. Talk like family. Don't talk like fan. I see people that are supposed to be part of the family, but they talk like outsiders all the time. They talk like strangers, foreigners. Uh, I remember this guy that, uh, you know, he was kind of notorious, went around the churches. He looked like a bikey. I haven't seen him in a few years. And, and, you know, he was like the rebel with a cause, come in, stir some things up, tell some bad news about some church down the, down the road, ex- expecting me as the pastor to go, oh yeah, I don't like them either. I wouldn't go there either if I were you. Wrong guy to be talking because it's family. Do you understand that? Family's family. It doesn't matter whether you meet here or there. Your family, you stick together. Listen to Ephesians 2.19. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. We are family. We are family. You are family. Independence is not a fruit of the Spirit. Last time I checked, body, bride, building, these are all independent, interdependent. Uh, words, if you will. Number three, value family. Ephesians 3, 6, and 10. This is the mystery that through the gospel of the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, sharers together in the promise in Jesus Christ. Number four, think family. Think serve before self. Number five, have faith for the family. But we don't look like family. Have faith in what God's doing in the family. He says he's going to present her and us as a bride without spot or wrinkle. Have faith that Christ in you and faith that Christ in everybody else sitting around you and faith in Christ on the other side of the planet. If it's family, have faith that Christ in them is the hope of glory. Don't shoot your big mouth out pointing out the facts and the flaws and everything else. Have faith in God. He's going to do it. Even if we don't look like family, we don't look like a bride. I get it. I totally get it. We don't look like a body. Church is like a hospital anyway. Everybody's got something going on, including the pastor. God says, get out of your sick bed and go help somebody. Well, let a perfect person. There are no perfect people. 
You can wander to one church to the next. You can keep on wandering as most do, quite frankly. The wandering herd of people searching for a perfect place. And when they get in there, you've heard it before. You know, you spoil it when you walk in. You just wreck the whole party. If you found some place like that, you've just wrecked it. Number six, prioritize family. Give way when you don't get your way. Number seven, speak with your mouth full. I'm going to close on this one. <laughs> At our dinner table, like I said, we had seven kids. And, uh, you know, I, I ran track and I, I was pretty active. I was like, a, like a, a string bean. I didn't have any meat on me or definitely no fat on me at all. I was like, looked like if they needed extras for a starvation for a, 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 a Holocaust movie, I think I could have filled in as an extra. You could see my ribs and everything else like food, food, food. One thing I was taught, don't chew with your mouth open and don't, don't speak with your mouth full. But I'm saying to you, family, speak with your mouth full. If you've got something to say of faith, speak up. Speak up. Talk with your mouth full of faith. Fill your mouth with faith-filled words when it comes to family. Family shouts because family believes. I shout because I believe in Christ in you. I'm shouting for you, not because I'm a fan, but because I believe in God on the inside of you. I'm not a fan. I'm family. <laughs> Ephesians 3, we're closing with this right now. We're closing. So, team, come on up. And here we're going to take communion in a, in a few minutes. Ephesians 3, 14 and 15. For this reason, Paul says, I kneel before the Father, family talk, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Whew. You know, we can't picture that many billions of people that are family members. And then you got to count the angels, servants. Our little brains can't contain it. We got to walk by faith here because there's a lot of family members that aren't that are not yet brought into the family. Church, we got to get our act together. That's why this message, I think, is honestly it, it took me a long time thinking, putting it together because. This isn't something that, uh, you know, just another message. I wonder right now, if you'd ask yourself, have you been kind of a fan of Jesus? You know, buying some of the merch. Fans always know the top players, <clears throat> preachers. <laughs> and and uh, I'm not a fan. I'm way more than a fan. What about you? Just before we have communion here and we close off, I want to give everyone that's both here right now and online a chance to become part of the family. That's to ask Jesus Christ into your heart. If you have any question about that at all, am I saved? You're probably not. So this is your opportunity to confess him as Lord. Believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, which means... There's a living God and a living family. You want to be part of it right now. Just say this prayer with me. Wherever you're at, say this prayer with me. Say, Dear God, I thank you for saving me. I repent of my past. I thank you for washing me clean. Jesus, I make you 
the Lord of my life. I am part of your family. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap. Come on. Thank you so much. God bless you guys that were watching online. Thank you for listening to the City Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message or God worked through you in any way, then please take a moment to contact us through our website at city-church.net or email us your feedback at info at city-church.net.